Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host, for Nick's Nerd. And we're back. I'm your host, Nick. This is Nick's Nerd News. Let's get right into it, shall we? It's another week. Got some more stuff to cover. Saw a movie. Gonna talk about that. Watched some TV. Gonna talk about that. But let's first get into what we're playing, huh? Uh, more news came out about Red Dead. So I, I, I think I might have touched on it, but you'll actually be able to, to customize your HUD, your heads-up display in-game and and choose what you want on, what you don't want on, what you want to see, what you don't want to see. And, and one of those things is you'll actually be able to turn off your mini-map, which is actually really interesting. A lot of games have been starting to do this. Not every game has a mini-map. But the thing that's different is it will actually, when, when you're playing, if you turn off your mini-map, NPCs will actually give you directions on, on how to get places, which is actually a really awesome thing that they've actually built that in. And um, I, I'm I'm really excited for that feature because that that's not something you get a lot. Granted, Assassin's Creed kind of did that this year as well with something called exploration mode, which it doesn't really tell you exactly where to look, like in previous games. In older games, you you can still turn this on in the feature as well, but uh, in older games, it would say where you would need to go, and it would put like a yellow like search radius on on the the larger map and kind of what you have to look before you pull up your eagle to see if if you're nearby. Uh, granted this started with Origins, I should say. But in this one you actually can it tells you kind of it, it gives you kind of hints on where to go on the map and then you pull out your eagle to search once you get near. But anyway, that that's really awesome that that Rockstar was able to add something that you don't really get to get an option to in some games. Other than that, I know I reported last week that it was going to be 105 gigs to install. I guess that's just the PlayStation version right now. The It's reported that the Xbox version is only 90 gigs. So maybe that has to do with some of the extra content that PlayStation's getting or, or something. But apparently it's only a 15 gig difference on, on Xbox, which is somewhat surprising. But uh, who knows? I don't, it depends on maybe how things are formatted and, and stuff like that. But that's it for Red Dead News. We're two weeks away so not too much longer i've been playing a lot a lot of forza as well on, on top of assassin's creed and uh it's it's the winter season right now so you know it's every two weeks the season changes and wanted to get some some winter in before before it ended as i was playing got more more time in got more experience you actually unlock another set of like missions i, I i've talked about the missions kind of before with you can buy a business, and there's the stunt driver role. But this one is actually, you meet up with this vlogger called La Racer. Not not a real person, but she has you do 10 different missions that are based off some of the best cars and experiences in, in video games. And, and it's really interesting. There's actually, there's 10 of them. You get to play different games across all all types of, of consoles and, and arcade and and even... Uh, 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 over time, I should say. But one of them is based on OutRun, that old arcade game where you drive a Ferrari Testarossa, you drive that. There's one based on Smuggler's Run, the old PlayStation 2 game. 
hell, there's a crazy taxi one where you drive a like a souped-up Chevy Bel Air that's painted to look like a taxi, and you, you have to take it off a jump. There's a, which is really super meta, is there's a mission where you do a race uh, based off Project Gotham Racing, which is kind of like, was Xbox's big racing sim prior to Forza, which is, it's really funny. And there's also one based on uh, the Daytona, the old school Daytona arcade games. And those are really fun. And it, and it's awesome. There's a lot of cues that that uh, when she's talking, she gets into them and, and talks about the game and playing it and things like that that are really awesome in terms of having racing nostalgia in one of the best racing games in forever. And it's awesome that they recognize the past and give shout outs to them because a lot of games, a lot of games don't do that. And that, that's really awesome of them. But the winter season has been great in Forza, mainly because it's it's not... A, a lot of racing games don't put you in winter environments with snow and, and wet roads and, and things. Not not normal wet roads like, like in a, a raining situation, but wet roads that are covered in slush and have to have special tires for and everything like that. And again, a lot of the off-road races handle completely differently because the the situations have changed in terms of the environment. A lot of the road races are different because you have to compensate for the different effects on the road and, and how to handle your car. And, and again, it, it's just amazing that they've been able to work all this into this into one game. Whereas in previous ones, like they only added snow in Forza Horizon 3, and that was a whole expansion. It was Snow Mountain. You went to a different map, essentially, that, that featured that, but it, it's just crazy to think that they've been able to feature all four seasons in one game, and it, it totally affects the different way to race for the different races. I, I know I touched on this in the beginning, but but I'm still loving this game. It's still beautiful, and again, there's, I, I don't know how they're... Everyone didn't know how they were going to top three. I don't know how they're going to top four. It It's probably goes into that rumor that they're they're working on on a new fable with a new team that they hired over at Playground Games. So so we'll see how how that goes and and that will be that will be interesting. But again, don't know don't know a whole lot. Uh I I guess I th- I thought I talked about this last week. I I guess I didn't, but there is a rumor that Microsoft may be buying or is in talks to buy Obsidian, the developer. They've always been... They're a top-tier developer, I'll say that. They, they've made a whole lot of RPGs. Uh, you've played a lot, and they've made amazing ones at that. And one of those is Knights of the Old Republic 2, the Sith Lords. Also, Fallout New Vegas. But... The, the the problem with they they and and uh, excuse me South Park the Stick of Truth the the thing with the thing with Obsidian and and some of you might know this some of you might not I I read a book called Blood Sweat and Pixels by Kotaku's Jason Schreier last year and it talks about them making their their new IP which they developed themselves Pillar of Eternity and it kind of talks about the studio struggles for for the last couple. Uh, last two decades or so, they've always kind of been screwed over by their their licensees. 
So they, they, they've made a lot of licensed games in the past, essentially. And they've never been able to attain something that kind of kept them... They, they've always been kind of teetering on the edge, is what I'll say. They, they've always been just one step away from from collapse and somehow always figure out a way to get saved in, in the last minute. That's kind of why they started making Pillars of, Pillars of Eternity, which a lot of people loved because it was... It was kind of a callback to old RPGs on on PCs and things like that, and, and people loved it. They made a second one that's amazing as well, from from what I've been told, what I've seen. And now Microsoft is in talks, heavily rumored to be almost a done deal to to purchase the studio. Now this would be another major acquisition on on Microsoft's part. They would also get the IP for Pillars of Eternity. But th- this would be a good thing for Obsidian because I, I'm, I'm sure the studio would like it because then they don't have to worry about if they're going to make make it through the next year or two. They won't have to worry about taking a risk on a new IP or a gamble of, of something that that might not have worked on their own if they didn't have backing or anything like that. But th- this is a, a really good thing. This is a good situation where where a big studio, big publisher can come in and, and, and take over a studio. But what Microsoft's been really good about is they'll, they'll buy these studios, but they, they leave them be. They don't, they don't force them to do certain things. They allow them to take some risks and do different things. And, and it's good for Obsidian because now they don't have to worry about their staff and things like that. And, and it, it's, it's actually kind of odd that Obsidian wasn't bought out before because they're actually one of the larger independent studios out there and they have a history of making good games so this this could only be a good thing if if it turns out to be true and i'm sure we'll know more at xo in november and speaking of xbox they actually announced something major this week in the terms of project x cloud which uh according to them this is a quote from them it will help they'll help developers deploy and dramatically scale access across all devices for their games and, and this means like st- essentially streaming your games. Uh, they've already started tests on smartphones and tablets, and they're working on computers and other devices. And they actually developed what um, essentially is like a, a Blade version of the Xbox One. A, a Blade is essentially a computer that fits into like a server tower. So this means they're they're working to put they're they're putting these blades all across server farms. And essentially, it's it's a way to it's a way to allow the streaming to to work easily. Uh, the the Xbox One controllers are already Bluetooth, so they'll be able to connect it to to phones, tablets, other computers, other smart devices. So this this is this is a, a step in the right direction. They they've already, like I said, they've already done phones and tablets. Public trials are supposed to begin in in next year. So this is a this is interesting to see where the future is going. A lot of people have said that the future of gaming is streaming. Xbox has already said they want to start doing that. There's already rumors about Project Scarlet, which is the next Xbox, that one might just be a streaming box, one might be a, a full console. Granted, we don't know a whole lot. More information, I'm sure, will be released at XO in November, and of course E3 next year. So the the future is upon us, folks. And uh, it doesn't stop with... with, with with Microsoft, Sony actually have officially announced that they're working on the next console. They don't they don't want to call it PlayStation 5 just yet. There's rumors that 
it's not going to be a major departure from PlayStation 4, that architecture is going to be similar. That that doesn't mean it's not going to be a step up. It just means that that it's not going to be a huge leap forward just yet. Now, remember, the last generation lasted almost 10 years, and that was probably one of the longest console generations. Partly had to do with the, the economy, but, you know, a, a five-year console generation is almost too short because even at that five years, they haven't fully realized the potential of these machines. And uh, it's a shame that, that we had almost a 10-year cycle, and then then they're just going to shorten it again with this one. But especially after, what, the PS4 Pro's only been out two years, the Xbox One X has only been out one, so it's interesting to see so soon. Granted, everyone thinks that it's still at least another two years away, so 2020, but... Uh, again, I, I, it's it's interesting to see how, how things go with that. Speaking of Sony, they finally announced that name changes are official. Uh, it's in beta right now. Uh, the first name change will be free. It will be $10 after that for any additional changes you want to make or $5 for PS Plus owners. It's only compatible with games published after April 1st of this year and uh, a select few other major games published beforehand. Uh, here's the kicker, though. Not all games and applications for PS Vita, PS3, PS4 are guaranteed to support it. You might have trouble with some, and it will allow you to switch back and forth to, to help mitigate those problems. You'll have the option to show your new one next to your old one for a period of time so your friends know who you are. Now, what the hell is this, Sony? Like, I, I'm not a person who's going to change mine, because I, I picked mine, I'm happy with it, I'm never changing it. And my, my, my question about this is, first off, why isn't everything going to work with it, and why won't this just be seamless? Like, what, what the fuck is going on? This isn't, this isn't 1998, where changing a screen name is, is, is impossible to do, okay? Microsoft's had it, like I said, for almost 10 years, it's seamless, there's no... There's no issues with games or applications when you change your name. It, it just integrates. Granted, you have to pay for it as well. But but again, wh- why is it only going to work with newer games? H- how is this a thing where it has to be worked in by developers and stuff to make sure that it works properly? I, I don't I, I don't understand. Because it, it just it makes no logical sense. Zero. Like I, I it, why, and how? What, 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 what's going on here? Where's the disconnect? This is it's 2018. They should be able to do this without having an issue, without having to do extra, extra modifications, extra programming. If they can do it on a Microsoft console and games and have no issue, why, why isn't, why isn't it like this? I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't get it. They, they, they have an issue here. We'll, and we'll see we'll see what happens after this goes live early in 2019 if all things go well with the beta which again just tells me that something in their architecture is flawed and and that's just plain ridiculous we had a new trailer come out for just cause 4 just cause 4 and it looks like Rico is going to be heading to a new location to stop a paramilitary and, and dictator once again, as with all the Just Cause games. They showed off some more of the... some of the gameplay and some of the different abilities you'll have. 
things to blow up and, and stuff like that. But but the problem is, at least my personal problem is, I just recently pre-ordered because I thought I did and turns out I hadn't. But now I have to cancel my pre-order because the day it comes out, I'm actually going to be going away for work and won't be able to play that game right away. So I'll, I'll talk about that more as we get on because I'm, I'm going to make some changes for the episode and, and things like that because going to have to figure out what to do while I'm away from uh, away from home for a week. So uh, look on news to that for that to come, but check out that Just Cause trailer online. Just Cause, like I've said before, is really fun. I uh, played the third one, totally unexpected, underrated hit for me. It's like if you take Grand Theft Auto, Crackdown, and just like destructible environments and, and put them all together. That That's what you'd get. But that looks fun. Apparently Diablo 3 is going to be getting cross-play. Blizzard is hard at work with Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo to figure out a way to integrate them so people can play together. I'm sure we'll hear more at BlizzCon, which is coming up. My personal biggest news, though, is that EA is exploring doing remasters for the Command & Conquer games. This is amazing news, because I, I'm sure EA realized they fucked up with releasing Command & Conquer as a stupid friggin' mobile game that probably is not doing as well as they hoped. What What I'm excited about is the... Command & Conquer games were some of my first and favorite RTS games. I've played the shit out of Red Alert 2 and Yuri's Revenge. Like, I can't even tell you how many hours I've I've put into that game. And I've played Command & Conquer 3, Tiberian Sun. I have Command & Conquer 4. Even um, even Red Alert 3 was great, and I, I got that on Xbox. It was, it was different from the old ones, and it was odd to play just in general, because they, they added a new faction with Japan, and it just, it didn't feel the same, and I don't know if that's because it was on a new, a new engine, or if it was, I don't know if Westwood worked on it, things like that, but it just, it was, it was different, and it, it didn't have the same memory to me as some other RTSs I've played recently, but, but other than that, they're, they're looking to remaster the, the 25th anniversary of the original Command and Conquerors in 2020, so I'm, I'm sure we won't have anything till then, and it'll probably only be the first one, but it'd be interesting to see if they did uh, uh, like a greatest hits and a remaster of multiple ones, because that would be really awesome. Because I grew up playing these games, I'd love to revisit them with, with newer features and newer uh, graphics and things like that, but but I'm, I'm excited that this is a thing and that they're, they're about this, because EA, EA needs some wins, because... As usual, they're still the most hated video game company in America. So, there's that. I, I'm sure a lot of you are playing Black Ops 4 now that that's out. I am ne I've am i never really been a fan of the Treyarch Call of Duties. So, I, I don't know. I, I It looks interesting. I'm, I'm still... From what I understand, their Blackout mode, I think that's what they're calling it. Like, they're... It's like... It's like PUBG, but better, I guess. It's their Battle Royale map mode. I, I want to take a look at it before I before I bite the bullet on, on that. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll make that a Christmas purchase. You know, hop in with all the other noobs and just get wrecked as I hop in in, in late December. But, but um, that, that's, that's mostly it for video games. Let's kind of move over into TV now. And, and to kind of start off with that, 
looks like Netflix is looking to purchase its first production studio. It's called ABQ Studios in New Mexico. I'm going to go out on a leaf and guessing that's in Albuquerque. But they want to start being able to film their own stuff at a production studio. Granted, there's tax breaks involved with that. And they do a lot of production in L.A. But, of course, they probably want to move to this studio in New Mexico so they have more space to film bigger spectacles and things like this. This this studio actually had scenes from Avengers film there, Sicario, things like that. So this this is a big move for them. Big move, big move. We had our first look at Batwoman for the Arrowverse crossover and looks amazing. Ruby Rose looks amazing in the costume. So that's uh that's really cool that they 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 released this image because I don't even know if they've started filming that that comes on that doesn't come on TV till December granted but she looks really good in the costume the costume looks really good on TV I'm excited to see how how the story plays out cuz I know they announced that the uh the monitor will be in it Superman Lois Lane they're going to Gotham City more than likely Mr. Freeze will be in it so it'll be it'll be great to see see that now I'm I'm happy we got a good look at it and it looks awesome for TV Speaking of the Arrowverse, Flash was back. The Flash is the first show uh, to be back, and Black Lightning was on as well, but I have to play some catch-up with that show before I can start talking about it. But the Flash pretty much picks up exactly where Season 4 left off, and it, it kind of shows up with Nora, who turns out to be the Barry's daughter with Iris, and... Uh, this convoluted storyline of how she's stuck in the past and meddling around and, and things like that. And the the problem with it, though, is that it, it, it feels too much like last season. And last season was kind of a dud for for The Flash. It just a lot of things felt out of place. It was it was boring for long chunks. I, I just... I really hope, and I'm, a lot of other people hope, that they, they are able to rectify that issue with Season 5 here. Or, yeah, Season 5. Looks like Nora's going to be staying around for a while. There's stuff with her that's really good, and they can really build on that, actually. Yet, on the other hand, there's stuff with, like, Caitlin and Killer Frost that's going to get real boring. And, and, and I don't know what they're doing with Ralph anymore, but... Unfortunately, there's no Harrison Wells this season as of right now. So I, I, don't, I don't know what, what's going on. Granted, it, it's just the first episode of the season, but having another speedster around, I, I don't know what how that's going to work. Granted, Nora, their, their, their daughter from the future. And it, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. But they did tease the new villain at the end. Uh, I think it's they're they're calling him Cicada, like the bug. They they kind of teased him at the end of last season where he like murders different villains, but they finally showed him in in this week's episode and and he murders the villain of the week. But it's good that we're not getting another speedster villain. I know they dabbled with that last season, but it it's at least they don't f play into like familiar tropes with having a non speedster villain. But the problem was with the thinker last season is that it. It started off great and then just kind of turned into like nothing cool at the end. But this is going to be different with Cicada because he's actually like murdering 
the villains of the week with these like lightning bolt shaped daggers and that's going to be really different from what we're used to so it'll be i, I want to see where they take this story and of course we only have a it's once a week so come back next week if you want to see how how episode two plays out in in terms of other dc shows cbs is looking to start a secret six show the thing about the Secret Six is they're they're practically just another version of the Suicide Squad. They're all blackmailed into working for a team and a different leader. Lex Luthor's been a member of this team at, at some point. Other Deadshot, other different heroes that always find themselves on the Suicide Squad as well. Villains, I should say villains, not heroes. But that is looking to start production soon. No word yet if Lex Luthor will be involved. Uh, HBO announced that True Detective Season 3 premieres Sunday, January 13th. It's actually going to take place across three different time periods as a mystery unfurls over those three different time periods. Mahershala Ali is starring as a detective at the center of this mystery or trying to solve this mystery. I loved the second season mainly because it was like a political thriller. The first season put me to sleep. I know that's an unpopular opinion. I know that goes against what most people believe. But I 100% preferred season two over season one. I'm excited for this because I'm a big fan of Mahershala Ali. I like a lot of things that he's in. And in shocking and unshocking news at the same time, Iron Fist has been canceled by Netflix. It is the first Marvel Netflix show to be canceled. Probably because the first season was treated as hot garbage. And the second season didn't really do much to recover from it. But looks like we're only going to be getting the adventures of Danny Rand in other Marvel Netflix shows. Or if they ever do a Defender season 2. Or bring the Marvel heroes into... Uh, the Netflix heroes into the MCU proper. But that's it for Iron Fist. We hardly knew ye. Didn't watch it. Don't care. Probably won't now. Because that just proves it was shit to begin with. Uh, which gets us ready for Daredevil Season 3 starting this week. Cannot wait. Getting really good buzz for the for, for it. Otherwise, uh, we actually got another image from Star Wars The Mandalorian show. Jon Favreau tweeted out an p- image of the weapon that is slung across the Mandalorian's back in the first image released last week. And it actually looks a whole lot like a weapon that Boba Fett had in the Star Wars Holiday Special from 1977. According to Star Wars Legends information, that was called a Amban Phase Pulse Blaster. It had this forked uh, end to it, and it looks a hell of a lot like the weapon that Jon Favreau posted on his Instagram. And, uh, real interesting here. So, I know they said it wasn't going to be I know they said it. Uh, I can't talk today. I know they said it wasn't going to be about Boba Fett and things like that. But when you post an image like this, and it has callbacks to the holiday special that almost no one has seen because it's impossible to get a legal copy of nowadays, it it kind of makes you wonder what. Uh, excuse me, 1978 for the the holiday special, but kind of makes you wonder: is this person going to be tied to Boba Fett in some way? So. Huh. Anyway, it looks cool. It looks right in with Star fits right in with Star Wars and other weapons from Star Wars. So I'm sure we'll know more and more as, as time goes on and we get closer to the, the premiere and release of this show. 
Also, uh, more news about that Lord of the Rings show from Amazon. Peter Jackson is not involved, and, and that could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing, but I I can't wait to see how what what happens with this show, how it ties into the ties into the old one, things like that. So I don't know. And then uh, in terms of the Jean-Luc Picard Star Trek show, it looks like they are planning multiple seasons. This isn't just going to be a one-off, folks. We are going to get multiple seasons of Sir Patrick Stewart as Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Starship Enterprise. So, I don't know about you, but that's a really good thing. And I cannot wait, cannot wait to see what they do. Are they going to stick with some of the ambiguous canon where he becomes an ambassador to, I think, to Vulcan? Are they going to stick with some other ambiguous canon stuff where he retires to his vineyard in France? But uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Is, is Q going to be back? I mean, you can't have a Jean-Luc show without Q. Are they going to have B4? Are they going to have Captain Riker? Ah, see, he's a captain now, right? And uh, how are they going to tie this in with the canon that's been established at the start of the the Kelvin timeline? You know, where where uh, Spock went back in time to try and stop the destruction of the Romulan star system. Is this going to take place after TNG? Is this going to take place after Nemesis? Is it going to take place after Romulus and Remus have been destroyed? We'll, we'll see. We don't know yet, but I know they're working on the show. I'm sure they'll announce it soon. Can't wait to see how that goes. But let's kind of move into movies now, right? And had some cool trailers. A new trailer for Glass, which is the third movie in the Unbreakable saga from M. Night Shyamalan. And they showed off they showed off uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character, Mr. Glass, interacting with James McAvoy's The Beast and him trying to take advantage of that and, and how that kind of sets up the story, which is really cool how they interact. But then it's also got Bruce Willis's character, David, I think his name is, and, and how he... Apparently they all get locked up in a, a psych ward. Sarah Paulson's character is kind of trying to convince them that superheroes aren't real. They're all just crazy. It will be interesting how that plays out. But I want to know what causes Mr. Glass to want to release the Beast. And what happens from there. Because it shows him on the run. It shows Bruce Willis's character going after him. Interacting with police and, and different things like that. So... We'll know more in January. We don't have too much longer to wait for that. And uh, really excited for that. We also got the first teaser for Disney's Aladdin live-action remake. Didn't really show anything. You kind of got to see Jafar, uh, at least his silhouette. They got Iago flying around. No word yet on if Iago will talk. They showed the they showed Aladdin. You get to see Aladdin and the character that plays him. You get to see the lamp. You get to go into the Cave of Wonders. No genie yet. No genie yet. But uh, looks like they're gonna they're gonna play into the old one because during the trailer, there's uh, you can hear the genie song "Never Had a Friend Like Me." You can hear some other Aladdin songs. Looks like this is gonna be very true to the old one. I know they've added some new characters and things like that to fit, but looks like they're gonna. They're going to keep that trend of incorporating the old music and, and sticking to the plot lines of the old one. No look yet at Will Smith's genie. I'm sure that's coming soon. He he posted recently about, can't wait to show you guys what he looks like. So 
that that's uh that should be on the horizon also got some new scenes uh some new uh i guess phone camera footage of 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 uh of of the Joker movie that shows Joaquin in full outfit kind of just casually strolling through a subway with cops running by and just chaos in the background and him just kind of skulking away from the scene and just having having a good laugh and smoking a cigarette so out of context I don't know what to make of this but it seems like something's going down in the subway we've already seen other images from the subway and and him coming out of subway cars and things like this so can't wait to know more. That movie's coming out next year, so more and more stuff's going to be coming out soon. I'm sure a, a trailer can't be far away based off how much filming they've already done and how much stuff has already been leaked. So, Actually, I don't know how much is leaked and how much is like official because it seems like someone who's real close to production. So that's, that's weird. And the James Gunn saga rears its fun head. See, it's not ugly head, it's fun head. Because James Gunn has been hired to write the next Suicide Squad movie. I'm not saying Suicide Squad 2 because he's supposed to be writing like a new interpretation, a new new version. And I, this doesn't necessarily mean reboot because in the comics, the Suicide Squad is always made up of, of different team members and, and different things. So there's this doesn't necessarily mean reboot, but... But uh, this is a good thing, because he might end up directing, actually. But in in terms of that, Dave Bautista tweeted out, sign me up. David Ayer, the, the writer and director of the first Suicide Squad movie, says James Gunn is the per- perfect person for this. And I, I'm really excited, because yes, James Gunn is the f- perfect person. They, they've always tried to say that Suicide Squad is like DC's Guardians of the Galaxy, Granted, James Gunn won't write it like Guardians, but he'll know he knows how to write for an ensemble cast like this. If anything, I hope they bring Will Smith back as Deadshot because that would he was one of the best things about that movie. And if Dave Bautista does move over to the DC universe, I think Bane would be perfect for him. Bane has been a member of the Suicide Squad at least once in the comics. I know it's very hard to control Bane, but Bautista's got the body shape and body type to play play Bane. And and he was a wrestler as well, so that fits in with, with Bane's whole luchador um, mentality and being the head of like a, a cartel and, and things like that. I, I think Dave Bautista would be perfect for that because it's, it's, um, it's like the opposite of Drax. So I, I think that would be cool. There, granted, there's plenty of characters Dave Bautista could play just with his stature alone. For the for the Suicide Squad and and I am very excited that James Gunn has jumped over to to the DC Universe to to lend his talents there and I I can't wait to see see where that goes. Let's kind of switch over to the MCU now for Marvel. Uh, there was some set footage of of Spider Man from Spider Man Homecoming. Looks like he's going to have a a new suit, a little darker in color. There was this video of him and uh, Spider Man and What's her name? Michelle or MJ, uh, played by Zendaya, kind of swinging around New York City. And uh, the new suit was a lot darker, had a different spider logo on the back of the costume. A little more in, in, in common with uh, with like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man costume, a little darker that in, in terms of color palette. The Disney Fox deal is apparently supposed to be done by January 1st. And I'm guessing as soon as that happens, the MCU 
X-Men will be probably not X-Men because they'll probably want to wait for the uh, Dark Phoenix movie to come out. But I'm sure they'll get started as soon as possible on a Fantastic Four movie because Marvel's first family needs to be in the MCU. We need we need Reed Richards. We need uh, Johnny Storm, the uh, the Human Torch, things like that. So I'm sure as soon as that deal goes through, you'll hear announcements left and right. But other than that, uh, Scarlett Johansson is apparently getting $15 million to play Black Widow in a solo movie, and that is great. I can't wait for a Black Widow solo movie. But I, I don't know how that will fit into the current MCU. In probably the least surprising news of all, Ryan Coogler is back to write and direct Black Panther 2. A lot of saw, saw a lot of funny jokes over the over the week uh, saying first look at Black Panther 2 and it was just like a pile of dust. And I, I want to see what the fallout will be from the end of Black Panther 1, you know, with with um, Killmonger being killed and after his like coup of, of Wakanda, how things will play out after Wakanda was invaded by, by Thanos' army and Thanos, how it will play out that now that Wakanda is like out in the public and open to the world. It'll be, I, 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 it'll be interesting to see what Ryan Coogler does with that and how he expands on what he did, uh, what he did with, um, with that. Also released were, was a image, at least leaked, was an image of some toy box art from, for Avengers four. And it kind of showed off some of the new costumes that we might've seen before, but at the same time, it showed Groot and Thor in these like Avengers jumpsuits, which I don't know if that's probably going to be in the movie. I did this, this discussion with someone at work about this, and I don't think I think it's just for a toy. I don't think it's for the actual movie. He he's upset because Thor doesn't wear stuff like that, but I don't I don't necessarily believe this until the movie comes out. Granted, also on the back of this toy box. Shows like all the Avengers in the costumes that are rumored for four, going along with this rumor that four takes place like years after Infinity War. So, not a whole lot to go off of. That movie comes out next May. So, well, I'm sure we'll know more as time goes on. I think D three D twenty three is coming up. When when is that? I don't. D twenty three is Disney's focused convention. Why do I think that that's early in the year? It might it might have happened. Oh yeah, it happens in March, so so not not too far off from now. But anyway, I don't remember if I talked about this last week, but we got our first look at Hobbs and Shaw, the Fast and the Furious spinoff, um, with The Rock and Jason Statham. We also now got a picture of Idris Elba as the villain for that movie. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that just means it's going to be an even better movie than people expect it. But let's talk about the movie I saw this past weekend, and that was The Bad Times at the El Royale. Awesome movie. Drew Goddard directed, directed it. Uh, totally subverted my expectations in terms of how the story went. Loved the movie. Loved it. Eight, eight out of five. 100% eight out of five for me. Mainly because there were some things I, I didn't like. Just very few, and that that's why it's not not higher, but, but the movie wastes no time in, in getting to like the, the central mystery that they kind of tease in the, in the trailers and things like this. And with like the, the windows into the rooms and stuff like that. But bad times at the El Royale takes place late sixties. 
because uh, there's some some news clips and television on showing Nixon is still president. So sometime in the late mid to late sixties, uh, it 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 shows each story in it. Excuse me. It it portrays the story in a way of kind of these little mini vignettes, and they they break up the the not the pace, but um not the flow either. Because they but they break up each character into these vignettes so you kind of get the backstory of why they're why they're there at the hotel what was going on beforehand what brought them there things like that and the first one is about John Hamm's character then you learn a little bit more about some of the other ones and what's going on and this hotel the El Royale is a hotel that straddles both California and Nevada so the state line so one side has certain things the other side has others whole different cast of characters that all interact in different ways have different motivations in, including the the employ the one lone employee at the hotel but like I said they, they waste no time in getting into the mystery you're already thrown a like twist when it's revealed that one character isn't who they say they are turns out that's true for multiple characters not gonna get into a whole lot I don't I don't want to spoil the movie too much but just not everything is what it seems with 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 every character, so I'll, I'll say that. I thought this movie was going to have more of a supernatural vibe, mainly based off my understanding of of his previous movies. He's Drew Goddard is most known for A Cabin in the Woods, which is not your traditional horror movie, but this is not your traditional thriller movie either. That's what's so good about it because he is able to to not follow certain tropes or expected tropes and and subverts your expectations and that's why I liked it a lot but again there there were some minor things that I wasn't happy about in terms of how the characters were handled and things like that and we we can talk about that maybe maybe next week maybe not but there's just certain things that I felt I I don't want to say cheated because that's not the right thing but not what I was expecting, and maybe that's why it, it, it's just it's all part of this this theme that not what you're expecting, and maybe that's why it was a little upsetting because I don't know I'd, I'd have to look at it again in the future and, and see if I feel the same way, but definitely definitely interesting and uh, plays with time a bit um, between different going back and having flashbacks and plays with plays with certain expectations in terms of how a character should act or or things play out and great movie highly recommend it bad times at the el royale now playing jeff bridges john ham chris hemsworth dakota johnson really good nick offerman in it as well so um minor role for nick offerman though but again bad times at el royale 8.5 really liked it Definitely check it out if you like going to the movies. This is a movie to see on the big screen, that's for sure. But a lot of stuff happening in the next couple weeks. Halloween next week. And that's it for Nick's Nerd News. No words of wisdom today, folks. I, I don't want to get in the habit of just repeating myself. So have a good one. I'll catch you on the flip side.